Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and today I am joined by Elizabeth Sabat. She is an amazing heart leader in our community. She has done so much to bring communities together. She served as the past president of the American Center for the Integration of Spiritually Transformative Experiences. She's also been the co-founder and the founding executive director of HOPE, the Holistic Options for People Everywhere. She's presented papers on spiritual integration for coaching and spiritual community development at national and international spiritual and psychology conferences. She's been coaching since 2007 in private practice and has developed some amazing coaching training and coaching content. So it is an amazing honor to have her here to allow us to learn from her in the area of communication, communication and bringing all of these communities together. So Elizabeth, just want to say thank you for being here, for allowing us to learn from you. Just, it's an amazing gift. So thank you. Oh, Amber, thank you so much. It's such an honor to get to be a part of this Wavera community. Uh, and I'm so looking forward for more. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to connect today. Well, thank you. And it's funny because although nobody will see it leading into here, I myself just struggled with communication. So I think it's just so <laughs> ironic that our whole topic is about communication. And we were speaking about how communication isn't bound by words and our energetic connection is so strong that words, especially on a day like today where there's so much energy just bouncing around anyway. And then I feel your energy and I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. words are just <laughs> like, I don't want to talk. I just want to sit here and communicate energetically and it just is such a beautiful loving like i can feel your love and your presence and your energy and so i don't want to use words i just want to sit here and feel that connection and so it took me two times to even be able to introduce you just because i desire everyone to feel you and not have to hear what the world has viewed you as, but to actually feel what your soul has expressed through you. And to mm -hmm. me, there's like two different things. Yes, you've done all these amazing things in the world. You really have, but that's an expression of the beautiful soul that you are. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So we'll start well, there. Well, I agree. Um, whenever I get in your presence, even though it's via Zoom, Austin, I just want to sit and smile at you. <laughs> I just want to sit and smile because the presence is so genuine and so loving and so intentional and so true to your intention that it's all in your uh, frequency and your little bio photons that are floating out into the world that, uh, yeah, what is there to say, really? 
when you can be in somebody's presence, such as yours in Austin's, that really gets what real communication is. I mean, what do you need to really talk about? The talking just happens because we have work to do. But if we didn't have quote unquote work to do, we would just sit here and smile at each other, maybe, you know, <laughs> for a long time. And it is such a gift, isn't it? To be able to experience that with another, that level of communication. Yes. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com. And when bringing together a community, because that is part of what we're going to discuss today, you've been able to establish so many different types of community be it in a spiritual type setting because you are such a spiritually inclined being. You have such an expansive nature in that arena, but you have this coaching background, this coaching nature to it. So you have the business side of yourself, which is very business inclined, but it's centered in a spiritual aspect and knowing how to combine that with such a presence, a knowing of I am. So how do you take all of that and cross communicate across that vast divide where so many people are simply attempting to understand any one of those columns, right? Well, I think it comes down to intention, first of all. And uh, I, I had a great blessing of growing up in a family that owned a restaurant that still 54 years later still owns this restaurant. It's like a pillar of the, the community in, in the heartland of America. And uh, like people literally drive for two hours to eat there. And when they started a catering business, they could go two or three hours away and people knew that restaurant. And one of the things that made that restaurant special was not so much the food. While the food was amazing, is amazing. The heart of the family, because they take care of each other and they take care of their community members. They actually even won an award, a humanitarian award from the Red Cross, because in the winters you get snowed in for three and four days. And it's right in the middle of the highway. It's not even in a town. It's at the intersection of two highways. And people get stranded in their cars. Uh, they could be stranded for three or four days. But as soon as you know a blizzard's coming in, everybody goes up to the hilltop. Uh, it's Jerry's Hilltop in Nebraska. And uh, because they know that the guys are gonna be on the tractors bringing stranded travelers in. and we fed them, you know, three meals a day. 
and kept them for until the roads cleared. But I really learned um, what it means to take care of one another. And it doesn't matter who you are or what church you go to. You go to your church, but you take care of everyone else, regardless of what church they go to, you know, that type of environment. And so you really learned how to pay attention to people's needs and care for people without judgment. And so that was such an amazing upbringing and has influenced me in many ways. And as my spirituality changed, or I should say broadened uh, in my own personal experiences throughout life, the thing that makes me the happiest is gathering people together. It is truly my absolute joy, absolute joy. The first community that I helped co-create um, after I left was uh, at Unity Church for the Children, and I became the uh, youth ed director there. And I just sat back at one of the potlucks and just, you know, observed all the connection that was happening and the healing and the trust and the vulnerability and the openness uh, and that desire for connection being met. Uh, I just, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is it for me. Wow. So from the time that you were little, then you've really been in service of others. It's like a soul calling for you then. Yeah, since the age of 13, actually. That's incredible. Did you just naturally gravitate toward it? Or is it something that you hit a point and it was a mental choice. You know, sometimes there's just like a heart and a there's no other path. This is where spirit is guiding me. This is where all of my being is calling me. And then sometimes there's a hey, this just mentally aligns. And so it makes sense. It's a fit. I'm going to go do it. Or is it a little bit of both? Uh, you know, since uh, my early 20s, I would say it was definitely a, a pulling of the heart to do it. That it's been a pulling. Yeah, it's just something where my heart has been leading me. Now, it seems like whenever there's a transition from one organization to another, there's a definite transition. And when I'm working with a, a community or an organization, I'm like, oh, that's it. This is my place for the rest of my life. And then, you know, six or 10 years later, then it gets pulled someplace else. Uh, that seems to be the pattern for me. The work gets presented and it feels like, ah, uh, this is just where I'm supposed to be next. And it feels right. And there's always learning and growth for me in each shift. And I feel like that's such an important thing to even communicate because so many of us do feel like, oh, I'm here and this is where I have to be because mm -hmm. mentally that just is what I've been told. Like you get somewhere and you stay there. But if we also balance that mental with that heart or that soul pull, then it kind of helps. Because then we understand that it's not one or the other. It is 
it's a both, it's an and, because there's this flow that then begins to happen. Because from my perspective, and I can't wait to hear your perspective, communicating in a community begins with communicating with self and being very effective at that balance, even within that mental. That's why we say we're heart and mind aligned. It can't be one or the other. It's got to be that both thing. And we have to be really good at that balance within in order to effectively communicate out, especially with large communities. And you communicate with very large communities. So can you walk us through that process for you? Like how you've been doing this since 13, like large groups of people coming in and staying for days if necessary and helping them through very challenging times. And then it's just continued your whole life. How do you get very adept at a skill like that and then continue to build community after community across very diverse age groups. It's not as though you're talking, oh, I'm like in that 20 to 30 year old age bracket. They're eager to learn. I'm just gonna hit that group and we're gonna stay there. No, like you have children all the way up. So how do you develop that type of a skill set? I think that you just get thrown in, in my case, getting thrown into the deep end because you want to. So when I think you're a true heart leader that is uh, looking at something from a psycho-spiritual standpoint, right? No, I would not have said that in my early 20s. I would not have used that language, right? And the way I have always operated with everything, community, work, whatever, is I could feel a desire and a pull and a knowing that that is where I am to go. And if I didn't know how to do it, I just learned. I learned what I needed to learn as I moved into each new endeavor. And I knew that I could learn whatever I needed to learn and that I would learn it. And later I learned, ah, perhaps maybe I can learn with more joy, more wisdom. And, uh, and you know, and each engagement brings more uh, wisdom and you carry that wisdom with you into the next endeavor. And what I've discovered, um, uh, very early on, somebody gave me a little poem uh, in my probably uh, mid to late 20s. I wake to sleeping and I take my waking slow and I learn what I need to learn by going where I need to go. And I don't know where I need to go. I am led where I need to go. And so, you know, this uh, trust in the leading even if it was scary. There have been moments I don't mind saying out loud where I felt so ill-equipped and so unknowledgeable that I would, you know, cry and like, why? I don't know what I'm doing. Why? You got to be kidding. Why am I doing this? Right. But it, it was a huge part of my growth. And I knew that that was really important. So there's a trust and an understanding that um, in that leading and in that calling, as long as I keep my mind open, that I will know what I need to learn. It will come. That is the hardest part though. Oh yeah. I would offer because we're so programmed to 
know every step, right? What do you mean you don't know where you're going? I is a question I get so often. You don't have every step of your plan, and how are you going to get there? I know. I don't know. Like, I I do not live without my planner. I've got things planned for 2024. You know. Yeah. And we'll see if they happen or not. Uh, yeah. And to me, that what you just said has been my personal key. It's like, yes, I can plan. I can have my strategy to the nth degree, but then I have to let it go. That's right. And it's so true with communities. When you're working in a community, when you're working for a community, when you're creating your own community, you've got to know what your truth is in that moment and know that your truth will be tested in the development of that community. And that's part of creating community and communicating in community is understanding that it's not all, it is about that grand vision that you and others may join together to create, but it's also about your own development and the testing of your truth and your values. Yes. And when you can trust that that may lead you to places that you had no idea where you were going to go, then um, you're open to all of the gifts that that journey will bring you. And what a beautiful point, because it isn't only communicating out to the community. That's right. Right. So communication is two ways. Absolutely. It's the first thing is not outward. You know, the first part is understanding what your desire is for either being a part of that community or the reason for creating that community. And you do have to communicate that outward to discover who's with you on this community journey, because it is a journey. Yes. Um, but, but first, you have to know that what you're communicating is fully you, as much as you can know yourself in that moment. Such a great point. So if you are communicating, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you're building a community and you have your message, your vision, your values as refined as you can, because they will always change, as you pointed out, as you build the community, and you're putting it out there, and you're not finding a community that will gather around that message, and you start to inevitably feel that, okay, I'm shouting out into a black hole. What can you, what advice can you give someone to say, like, maybe it's not the intent, maybe it's the communication of the intent. How can someone refine or continue to build upon the communication of the intent? Because sometimes it's just how we're presenting something, not what we're presenting, I have found. And so if we tailor or we refine, have you ever found that to be the case? And do you have any tips for someone who might be going up against that wall? 
Uh, in my experience, I would say that there's you have more to learn about yourself and to take a look at what you might be grasping for as you're speaking out into the world and nobody's responding back. And I would pay attention that there's kind of an underlying grasping or fear of being alone and look at that first and to find out what that means for you and to see if there isn't more in your solitary journey uh, that needs to happen. Because what's happening in a solitary journey of you and your soul and your spirit and, and that which guides you, that's, that's first community. And if there's nobody attaching to that, it could be a protection for you. So first look at that. And are you, how are your boundaries? You know, how are your boundaries in the spirit realm? Are in your own mind, in your own life? And do those boundaries need to be strengthened in your self-care habits? So I would look at that first before I did any more communicating outward. And because if you keep pushing something when nothing's coming back, you, you might not enjoy what's coming, what eventually connects. But so that first. Love but, it. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, are you, the second thing is, is are you listening to the people that you're attempting to connect with? Are you really even hearing them? Are you using uh, a language uh, that they can understand? Because changing our language doesn't change us. And some people have a real problem with language and, um, and they refuse to change their languaging to connect with people when really, if, if you attach um, your identity to language, then you're gonna have a very hard time hearing what the people in community are really saying and what they're really needing. You've gotta get beyond the language and develop an of the people to determine if this is where you wanna be and these are the people you wanna connect with. So first, to in, internal listening. Secondly, the, the active listening for those that you're attempting to connect with. Because if you're attempting to push an agenda of some kind, even though it's a high vibrational, wonderful, loving uh, agenda, um, I would say that you probably need to look at that first and see if, if that's what people are really wanting. Fantastic advice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. So the types of communities that you've built are very, from what I know, are very centered, even if they are like the coaching communities, very business focused, but also have a foundation in knowing of self and Absolutely. spirituality. Is there a reason there's always that thread running through the communities that you've built that you would express? Yes, for me, uh, it's uh, the energy that I want to, and I attempt to cultivate within myself all the time is 
am I, am I on my right path? Am I internally right with myself? And are the people around me supportive of me? And you know, sometimes that means confronting me, right? And, and uh, gently challenging me and saying, you know, perhaps you may need to look at that. And so, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm more interested in being around people that are interested in being self-reflective and uh, committed to something greater than their own edification, that there's a purpose for their own soul, that they, are, they wanna be involved with something that blesses and, and uh, benefits their soul and that of others. Anything else has not been productive for me. I don't feel full. I don't feel whole. And uh, so I've been pretty choosy about the type of people, right? And uh, and that doesn't mean judgmental. It means careful. When you get in community, of course, you know, we all have these, you know, this type of community, we all have these grand intentions, but then we meet ourselves and then we meet ourselves uh, meeting other people that are meeting themselves and it can get really messy. And so I want to support, you know, the evolution of consciousness on the planet by helping people hold space for the messiness of it, because it is really messy and it can be really hard. And we've got to build um, uh, leaders and communities that can withstand that kind of messiness so that true transformation can occur over time. That's the ultimate um, why for me. And what an amazing why. Because you're right, like starting within and being able to see the reflection outside of self is such a big thing that I don't know we all walk into building a community anticipating. Right? Yeah. And if you don't, you, you, it's, a, it's a weakness yes. that will destroy the community in time. So it's a key caveat. And just as we were talking before this, like communication happens through so much more than just words. And to me, that is a form of communication. It's self-communication. Seeing yourself and others, that's like me communicating back to myself. Like, oh, if I didn't like that in someone else, that's a growth opportunity for me. And one that I have to be very willing to not judge someone else because it triggered something in me. It's where they are on their path. And obviously, if it triggered me, then it's something that is on my path too, that I need to be able to take a step back from and go, oh, why did that invoke that within me? That just communicated something to me. And I need to be receptive to receive. That's right. Absolutely. Although I'm glad you bring that up because in these types of communities, uh, we are so willing, a lot of people are willing to do that. Not everyone, of course, but a lot of people are. And uh, the danger in that 
is to allow unacceptable behavior because we can identify with it. And so commun communicating in communities, one of the first tasks of community leaders and organizers, honestly, is to understand and write down and know and practice the community is founded on. What are the guiding principles? And then from those guiding principles, what are the rules for engagement? Because um, to my own detriment and to the detriment of some other people I know, you know, we are, we are like, oh, okay, I'm, I need to sweep the, my own side of the street. And yeah. at the same time, hold the line to the safety of the community. And that's also been a hard learned lesson for me as well. And uh, one that one of those things that has grown me, but it's really important. Very, very good point. Because yeah, you can't allow or tolerate certain levels of behavior. Now, if someone is a little bit standoffish in a group conversation, not a reason to dismiss them from the whole group for expressing themselves differently. But if someone's putting the safety of others at risk, you know, yeah, that's definitely something to make sure is in the group guidelines up front. Yeah, had to have many communications with people privately about these types of things, yes. Yes, so in establishing those types of guidelines and boundaries and making certain everyone is on the same page, what are various ways that you would communicate that out? Because from my awareness, everyone receives communication very differently. Some people are visual, some people read, some people are more auditory. Do you find that if you have a large group, you have to communicate it in multiple different ways? Absolutely, yes. So if you have a website, they need to be on the website, but you know, people don't read, not everybody reads. You can't expect people to read things just because it's up on a website or on a flyer, right? So they have to be spoken and they also have to be demonstrated by the leaders. Yeah, okay. and I don't like the word enforced uh, so much, but they need to be empowered by the leaders. Those guidelines need to uh, empower people to, to recognize those and to pay attention in gatherings when those guidelines are not being adhered to and then have information seeking conversations. And so, you know, in write in written form and reminders as interventions, uh, as uh, pattern interrupts, you know, to interrupt a pattern that's occurring. Uh, and uh, it depends on the nature of the event um, whether it's in person or online. Uh, but generally, I find sometimes you do have to have private conversations with people. And when that happens, this is always like that conflict resolution. That's something that, you know, even I myself, up to a certain point, I would shy away from because confrontation, you know, that's that's something that we're not really taught when we're young, right? That's actually your parents or the 
disciplinarians, there's no conflict. And in school, they're the ones who tell you what to do to not create conflict. So we're never really taught conflict resolution. We're taught how to obey commands. All right. Well, we're not taught communication, period. Correct. We're told to shut up and to walk in a straight line and don't touch each other. And it's very militaristic the way that we are, the majority of people in this country are raised. We are not taught how to live in a democracy. We are from the age of a young child. We are not given a voice. We are not taught how to negotiate to get our needs met. When um, Johnny hits Sally, we're told, Sally's told, you know, to give him a hug and to make up and be nice. Well, she may not want to be nice. She may still be mad. And yet we force them to, you know, hug and make up. So this way that we are raised does not allow us to have the permission to effectively communicate, much less know how. And so, uh, so I love working with children so much. Oh, I just love it. I love it to give them permission to be mad and to say what they want to say. It's just amazing to give them permission. More amazing to teach them how to negotiate to get their needs met with adults and to communicate with adults in a way that adults can hear them and then to teach adults the same thing. It's really a beautiful thing. But for the rest of us that we're not taught that way. Yes. Like, how do you undo that programming, well, right? Well, it, you have to have courage, first and foremost. And you have to have such a dedication to what it is that you're doing, that you are willing to be uncomfortable. And you're willing to go in scared. And you're willing to go in and even say, like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. And, you know, it's really uncomfortable for me to bring this up. There is something that's occurred that I need to get some information about so I can help resolve it. So with you, when would be a good time? You know, <laughs> just to lay it out there on the table. Sometimes is enough to help us have courage. But a heart leader of any kind doing any work in any organization has to have courage. And it's the courage to be uncomfortable and have difficult information seeking conversations. And when you go into those conflicts, understanding that it's about communication, giving permission to communicate without making anybody wrong and to find out what's really happening here and who needs what and uh, what is the third alternative that perhaps we might need to find. Uh, I love Stephen Covey's book, The Third Alternative. If you've ever, have you read that, Amber? I have. I love that. It's been such a great influence for me and uh, in, in affected the way I listened differently. Yeah. And, you know, what you say brings so much truth forward for me, which is not blaming. I'm seeking to understand, to find resolution, and to really just resolve where we are. 
but it takes courage to step into that first and not just let it go. And that's something you brought forward so beautifully. We've all been taught since we were young to just sweep it under the rug and let it go. And then it accumulates inside and it accumulates inside, even in a community, right? You just don't want to create waves in the community. And what will other people think of me if I bring this forward? Or how will be addressed by those who are in a hierarchical structure of the community? And so for me, part of it has been what kind of structure is created to support conflict resolution? So as you're building out and you had discussed the guidelines and the rules of engagement and all of that is in place, how do you make certain that if someone in the community does have an issue, they know they have a voice and can come forward to the leaders of the organization to express that voice and have adequate conflict resolution, whether it be in words or in email or in some fashion? How do you create that structure? Well, that again is the leader's responsibility and it depends on the organization. If we're talking about in-person organizations, you know, there hopefully is more than one leader in order to keep the mission pure, that it's a group of uh, leaders and facilitators. Because there's a difference between being a leader and being a facilitator. Many people get those things confused. And so when people can take a non-leader position and become a facilitator, then that requires you to watch, to pay attention. As you said, so much communication is not verbal. In every community, you're gonna have those people that are very verbal and there's no hiding what they're thinking and feeling. And then there's others that are just sweet and nice or quiet and yet they're suffering inside. And so in our in-person community, everybody that was involved on the leadership team or the community development team had a role to play. And we switched those roles up every time we met so that no one person was ever seen as the leader. And one of those roles was the person that was responsible for watching and feeling the energy of the room, of the event and to pay attention to who was feeling uncomfortable or to feel the energy of some discordance and to find out where that was and what was going on. And then to get a sense for, do I gently approach this now or how do I shift this? And so uh, to have, so in our community, there were people who were better at that than others, but everybody got a turn at that. And, and so, you know, it's about being a responsible leader and paying attention and giving people the opportunity to have that conversation that they need in a way that works for them. I love that. Just allowing someone to be mindful and especially in an in-person, but to really focus because sometimes people won't speak up, but they'll feel it. That's right. 
and to cue in on that and even maybe say, hey, is everything okay? Just asking that question could open them up to go, no, it's not okay. Right, right. Like tell you. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes even asking people if they're okay, they they will say, oh yeah, you know, everything's great. And you can see that it's not great. And you might even say something like, um, can I get, uh, you know, are you comfortable? Do you need a drink of water? Um, is there something that I can help you with? And, uh, you know, sometimes just a gentle presence is enough as well. And, but after the event or, you know, sometimes it's right then and there, and sometimes it's after, and you make a phone call after, and you could have a more private conversation because in a group of people, there are many people who are not going to bring things up. But when you call somebody and make a personal phone call, say, hey, I, uh, I think I might have noticed, you know, that you were, that there was some discomfort and I wanted to check in with you and uh, chat with you about that. You know, and then if the, and there are still some people that won't even then have that conversation with you. But at least they know, you know, and then you say, well, just want to let you know, if you need anything or something's not right, you know, you can call me. And just that alone, right? But that brings up a great point too. As a leader or even a facilitator, there is only so much that you can do from one side of the communication process. If it isn't reciprocated, then there is a point at which we have to be willing to say, I've done as much as I can do from this side. And I am open, but I have to be willing to step away. And sometimes that's really not easy because we want to solve it. We want to get in there and we want to solve it. And sometimes that can create more of a disconnect and an issue than just being willing to back away and say, okay, it will solve itself. Right. That's not respectful. Yeah. I think the whole point comes down to respect. Whether they want to engage or they don't. Are you, in, are you respecting what their needs are in, in developing and understanding what their needs are in that moment? Like, you know, you've got to take care of yourself first as a leader, as a facilitator. Yeah, absolutely. So in our last few minutes here, because my goodness, it goes fast talking to you. Yes, that was fast. (laughs) I would like to talk about all of the amazing groups you do have in motion. Like you have this wonderful coaching program that you have available. And if individuals are interested in coaching, I would like them to know how they can get a hold of you, how they can reach out to you if they're interested in having you or someone in your group as a coach, or they're interested in learning about coaching. Either way, can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, thank you. So uh, I created the Institute of Transformational and Transpersonal Coaching uh, to be able to teach people how to coach from this place where we're holding a space for the unfolding of a whole person, be it professionally, 
uh, or through their personal expression or their spiritual development. And uh, again, to create coaches that really can be with the messy aspects of uh, transition and uh, spiritual integration and still be coaching into the creation of what somebody wants. That makes sense. And so in it, at the school, we have uh, the full program where they can be trained as a transformational transpersonal coach. And then we also have the spiritual integration coaching community where uh, people come to learn literally how to work with people who are awakening or who have had a spiritually transformative experience of some kind. And I'm talking about you know, near-death experiences, out-of-body, Kundalini, um, after-death communication, crisis of psychic opening. There's like 126 categories of types of spiritual experiences. And so, um, so to how to really know how to work with someone whose worldview, uh, it could be psychedelics as well. And we have a lot of psychedelic therapy uh, that's happening, but yet there's no uh, transformational process to support the shift that occurs after. So in those communities, also I have a conscious business development community, and that's specifically for coaches, but I have other people who are not coaches, who are different types of service providers and therapists and uh, different types of healers that uh, enjoy that community as well. And so you know, this process right now of, for me, where I'm focusing mostly on creating coaching communities, um, I've pulled my attention back from some of the broader national and inter international uh, organizations I've worked with. And I'm focusing on you know, my individual communities, which has been such a joy. And if they want more information, they can contact me at info at ittcinternational.com. Uh, um, or if they're looking for individualized coaching, uh, they can go to elizabethjsebet.com. But I also have coaches that I've trained and they can find them at ittccoachtraining.com. Awesome. And it's T is in Tom, right? Correct. ITTC. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. We'll make sure all those links are down there too. So anybody who's watching this versus listening, they can find it underneath the video and get a hold of you that way. And if you are listening, you can always go to the website and find it after. Um, so you mentioned awakening. Now, I know for some people who listen to this, awakening it could be a new term for them. Is there a chance that you could walk them through what you mean by spiritual awakening? Yes. Again, it's an awareness of something more than what you were aware of before. It could be a worldview that has changed. It could be values that are changing. But there is a stirring in your soul, a discontentment, perhaps, that your life is just not what it needs to be. And it's calling you to something more. You may just know that there is more to the life that you're living, but you can't put your finger on it. And you're looking for that. 
that's awakening you, calling you to look at life, to experience life from a deeper and a broader perspective, and not just a perspective from thought, but a new engagement in the world. And that can be really scary if you are being led away from what you think is your true spot in life. Many people have a crisis of faith where they question the faith that they were raised with, and they're afraid to look at something different. Spiritual awakening doesn't mean you have to change your religion that you are born in. It just means you might have a different relationship with it. And it can be a very scary time. So an awakening process is a very broad uh, term and can be experienced differently for different people. Mostly, it's a stirring in the soul. that There is something more in your physical life that is calling you to be experienced. That's one of the most beautiful definitions I have ever heard for a oh. spiritual awakening. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And my final question. We talk about heart leaders and you've been with us now enough that you've heard us banter the term back and forth. We would love to know from your perspective when you hear the term heart leader and we call you a heart leader. What does that like invoke in your spirit, in your soul? What do you feel you bring forward as a heart leader? For me, it means that I am leading from my greatest happiness, which is connection. It means I'm leading and listening for my next right action based on the wisdom and the love that I want to experience for myself and that I want to, uh, to share with others and to cu cultivate in others. So it means leading from that desire to cultivate peace and happiness and purpose in others' lives. You do it very well. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to, to be part of the Suavera team and to be getting to work with people uh, like you and Austin and everyone that you have on the Suavera team. It's just a dream come true to find people like you to connect with. When I left my other organization, I felt a real uh, sense of loss. And, uh, and so to have uh, been invited into the fold here with you has just been uh, such a gift, unexpected gift. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. We feel the same way. We are excited that you are coming into this group and offering your amazing energy, your insights, so that is something the Suivera community has to look forward to is what you bring. And not only will they be able to go to your site and gather all of the wisdoms that you share, but soon they'll be able to find it right here through their very own Suivera community. So what a blessing it will be. And we are beyond grateful that you're going to contribute 
all of the insights you have for building community into what we are creating. So I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited and can't wait to get things ready and going for next year. I've got so many things I want to offer here with Suavera and uh, you're the perfect home. For all of those beautiful things I want to create. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It is a movement and we're all doing it together. So yay, go love. Go love. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here with us. Such a mm -hmm. blessing. And one more time, primary site where people can find you and continue yeah. on with the sage wisdom that you're offering. Where can they find you? Oh, I'm so sorry you broke up for just a minute. Uh, ElizabethJSabet.com or ITTCCoachTraining.com. Perfect. We will post it so they can find it very quickly. All right. Thank you. Wonderful. And thank you all very much for tuning in to another episode of the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber. And this month, we have been focusing on communication, that wonderful skill. And as we discussed, it is so wonderful to be able to share it via words, but it isn't only words that we share it by. It is body language and energy and so many other things. And we have a wonderful tool this month that talks all about that. So if you go to the Heart Leader Toolbox, you can download the Effective Communication Workbook for free and learn all about that. So go ahead and take a trip right over right now. You'll also be able to find all of Elizabeth's links so that you can really begin to explore her websites and all she has to offer too. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at Suibera.org.